This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. <laughs> Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the old Manly Warthog Command Center. Inside the Melbourne Law Studio, Melbourne Law with 50 years of experience, the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators, Melbourne Law, won't back down. And of course, crime prevention, you worry less with crime prevention security systems by preventing package theft. They got dual barrel cameras, they have all sorts of services. You can contact them today at cpss.net. Locally owned, you can always get the owners on the phone. And that's unusual these days to uh, be able to talk directly to the people at the top. So that's very important. And of course, we have Maurice T. McDaniel, our hometown High Springs attorney, who has also been Special Forces Airborne and a farmer. Uh, so there's the man who is the jack of all trades who can help you with your legal issues because he sponsors our monk shots, which receive about 45,000 hits a month. Incredibly so. Speaking of mug shots, that's where we're going to start off today. It's a... Uh, continuing story that, as you know, we uh, found a lot of resistance to when we first started to investigate um, the data instigator, investigator, and I. And now it's really beginning to snowball and roll of its own weight and uh, volition. We can pretty much get out of the way of it right now. Good morning, Matt Can. A long time since I've seen you, sir. Um, we are beginning to transport uh, these people from the jug, okay, uh, if you will. Um, and uh, they are being transported back here to appear May uh, 24th, be arraigned on Tuesday, May 24th uh, at 9 a.m. in the Alachua County Courthouse, uh, bringing them out of these fellows out of the big house to come down here. Now, I want to just share with you the, the rap sheet of just one of the fellows who's coming back and ask you how in the world could... Um, T.J. Pichet assumed this guy was as pure as a driven snow. Uh, we've been over that. I think I'll keep pounding that note. We're bringing back among the three. Uh, we're bringing back. Let me just uh, uh, make sure that uh, you understand it's the beginning of many. And uh, we're bringing back. Let's just focus on one. Uh, Xavier Avell uh, Artis. Uh, Xavier L. Artis. Artis. A-R-T-I-S. He's black. He's male. He was born November 30th, 1999. Now, um, he is current facility is Charlotte and the Correctional Institute. Now, he is um, scheduled to be released from his current incarceration on October 5th, 2024, which is a more than two and a half years out. So he's coming here and this is his uh, just a couple of three things that he's done that I guess T.J. Pichet assumed, uh, oh, well, doesn't matter. In uh, 2019, burglary, a uh, um, couple of times, um, uh, possessing an illegal weapon and uh, fleeing law enforcement without any regard. Uh, we, I am on the Crime Stoppers board, and uh, when we see a weapon, uh, that ups the the tip because it ups the risk to the tipster remains anonymous. If the individual is carrying a weapon, that ramps up the danger. And then, of course, if the weapon is an illegal weapon, which they always are, because they're always convicted felons carrying a weapon, that ramps up the danger even more. So here we've got a fellow who is a no a neophyte uh, to the criminal world and has been already known to uh, burglarize and to carry weapons and to have little regard for law enforcement and um, is coming here to, um, I, I would suspect, plead not guilty to voter 
um, illegal voting because guess what? He was told he could. Now, this is a little bit different. You remember, a little bit different. This is going to be what's going to be interesting. Dion McGraw is on record as saying the supervisor of elections, Kim Barton, should have told her she was ineligible because she was in the wrong district. Kim Barton washed her hands of it and said, it's not our duty to tell you when you're in the wrong district. Okay. Well, Dion McGraw didn't have any rebuttal because she was in the wrong district. But this guy, because we can't see the actual Miranda rights part of these warrants because they've been redacted because it's still an ongoing investigation. But this fellow might have well told T.J. Pichet, hey, listen, are you sure I can do this? And that's all it really takes. And if a bunch of them say that, then you really got an interesting dilemma because that's different from Dion McGraw. Kim Martin is not on, Dion McGraw could not testify uh, that Kim Barton told her she could do it. She could only testify that Kim Barton should have told her she couldn't do it. Okay? Should have. But here, we have not one, not two. We have three coming in this time. Uh, and we'll have probably all reports said and done, about eight or nine. Um, what if they all get together and say, or even some of them say, because we really don't know. Everything here for that you've seen printed in the newspaper has been conjecture. Because no one really knows exactly what the criminal heard T.J. Pichet say until we hear the criminal side of it, which we, under oath, okay, which may or may not mean anything to the criminal, but it sure is going to mean something to T.J. Pichet. So you understand the difference. Barton and McGraw never had a conversation. Let's just use this gentleman here as an example. He did have a conversation. He did have a conversation with Bichet. We don't know what it is. But what it is, is going to matter. And if there's some consistency among the others in terms of what kind of conversations they have with Bichet, that's going to really get interesting. So we are farther down the road than initially we were led to believe we'd ever get. Because it was, I'm just going to tell you this right now. There's a great deal, I've told you before, there's a great deal of reluctance on the part of the state attorney and the mole to, to wet behind the ears and the mole to, to, to really carry this forward. And yet, through persistence and through a search for the truth, we got it pushed forward. And now it's carrying its own weight because we don't know what these guys are going to say. It's going to be very interesting. So May 24th, keep that date in your day book. Uh, that's going to be, I'm going to scroll down here and let you know that there's some more coming here with this. Uh, Detrick Baldwin um, uh, is coming uh, and will be arraigned May 24th. I'm not going to go into the, the rap sheets of all these guys. Uh, Theris uh, Connie, Theris Lee Connie is coming uh, so far. So uh, uh, the um, transporting of these people will be. Uh, taking place very soon. So it's um, it's interesting. We're keeping you up to date on it. And you won't see this covered anywhere else. So you'll have to tune into the Ward Scott Files to uh, get the, uh, the story. Uh, I'm interested in watching how much of a buffoonery and a bluff the uh, position by one uh, attorney Donnelly for, for uh, Cornell turns out to be because now he said, oh, I'm, listen, I'm, we can't do this anymore. Uh, Ward Scott's in here and we can't, we can't do this with him watching the deposition, even though it's a public event, even though the Zoom link was published publicly. Well, we just can't have that. And nobody knows why. You know, it does, it's not. So he, he led us to believe at the end of his uh, buffoonery there that, that, um, he was going to go right straight to the judge and 
request a ruling from the judge. Well, now we hear that, well, that hasn't happened yet. And the request has been made. Well, geez, maybe you could, uh, we could do it in private. Well, that's another thing that's now got its own life. No, you're not going to pull back and do it in private. Um, and, and, you know, it just increases the suspicion that something is untoward here. You know, it's the classic line from Shakespeare, the lady doth protest too much. And obviously we know Lady Macbeth was protesting way too much and was much more guilty. So you, 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 have, to, you have to take this with the classical content. When you start protesting and trying to forestall and put off, it only leads to questions. And the questions will not diminish in number. They will increase and they'll become more steadfastly presented the longer you detain uh, the deposition from happening. So I, it's a strategy of the defense attorney has to be. Maybe I can just get it put off forever and it'll never happen. Because you see, there's some things here that are going on. You've got a county commissioner. You've got a county commissioner being deposed that has to be reelected at some point. So none of this is really any kind of situation that's ideal for a public official. If Mr. Cornell were simply another real estate employee, that'd be one thing. But he's wearing a couple of hats. I understand he's the vice president of Ballsheart, and he's also a county commissioner. So that changes the whole significance of this considerably. So it draws more attention, and the more his attorney resists, the more attention it draws. It's one of these paradoxical things, which is just uh, so. I mean, it would be so without my presence. It would just be simply be so. And the attorney for Cornell has been trying to put this off and trying to put this off. The, the initial reason for putting it off was back in November of 2021, as I remember, and it was um, around um, um, uh, the ceremony for the wars, uh, I think around the and then the issue was that uh, Cornell had to go speak somewhere. You see, there you are. When it's convenient to be the commissioner to put off the deposition, it was used. Well, we can't depose Commissioner Cornell today because he's going off to make a speech. Well, okay. Now we don't want to depose Commissioner Cornell because he's a commissioner. Isn't that interesting how the liars work? And they would almost have pulled it off in many, many ways had not yours truly dropped in. Dropped in to have a look-see. And all of a sudden, that became a threat. How? Legally? No one knows. I don't cross-examine Cornell. I don't do anything but sit and watch. I'm not a participant. Except that I am a participant. Because I am governed by this commissioner. This commissioner is a county commissioner. I live in the county. I am governed by this commissioner. This is not like some guy working for the real estate office who wouldn't have any, you know, for whom I would not be working. And the truth of the matter is Cornell is working for me and Cornell is working for you. And so as his employer, do you have an interest in your employee's behavior? Because as a, as a commissioner, you are a commissioner 24-7, 365. You're not a, even though it is held that the county commission is made up of part-time commissioners. They are full-time. Basically, they get paid 85 grand, the last I checked, a year which is based on population which of the county they govern, so it always goes up. Soon it'll be 100,000 for part-time gig. But I can promise you that they don't walk off the floor of the Jack Durrance Auditorium and leave behind their commission duties. That doesn't happen. 
24-7, they are the public figure. So uh, it is um, it is what it is. And so we'll keep you posted on what's going on. So we got a couple of stories going on here. And as I said before, this story is entwined somehow with the mysterious matrix, which justified uh, the arrival of the SWAT team at Grotos real estate office. We haven't gotten to the bottom of that. Uh, so there's two or three things here that are uh, simmering, if you will, on the stovetop that we keep a, a, a look-see on. So I wanted to um, share that with you and give you an update on that. The um, transportation orders will be proceeding. We suspect there'll be more coming. And we haven't even begun to talk yet about the sex offenders, with the exception, as we reported yesterday, there's already been one uh, found, which we supplied the information and the way to find them in Duval County, who was actually in Alachua County. So committed his transgressions in Alachua County, who's a sex offender. Sex offenders never have their rights restored. And the real, the truth of the matter is they're not watched very well. Theoretically, you can go to what this in this county, you can go to a sex offender or sex predator map, locator map, and you can see if somebody's living next door to you that is so labeled. Okay. But I can tell you from experience that these fellows have a way of, around that, it, it appears. And um, that's not a, a slam dunk. But there are multitudes of them who have voted illegally. All right. Rights never restored. Illegally. So whose job was it to find this? As I say, we have no budget. We, we, we just do the best we can with our curiosity and our investigative skills. And thanks to you who donate and support us in advertising, we are able to share it with you, the students and the public. But, you know, these are huge budgets these supervisor of elections have. These are huge budgets these clerks of the court have. Now, they should be doing this. They should be combing these voter registration rolls to find out who really is a valid voter. And they should be doing it routinely and regularly, but no, it's been our observation that that hasn't happened. So the other thing that's local here that is kind of interesting is our, our own editorial writer, uh, Nathan Crabb, has an editorial about saving the planet, okay? Saving the planet. You know, I, am, I come at this world through a study of, of words, which, of course, words have... Two meanings. They have denotative meanings and they have connotative meanings. And denotative meanings are the meanings of the word you'll find in the dictionary. And that even changes. And sometimes you'll go to the dictionary and you see that the word is traced back most of the time to its Latin origin. All right. And you'll see that basically it means the same thing today, perhaps, or maybe it's drifted away from the way it was originally used. But the two should match up pretty well, the denotation. But the connotation is the way the culture, the, val the value, as the used car salesmen say, the value that the culture places on the word. So if you have a word like truth, is it an absolute? Well, is it, let's just take an example from what we were talking about. Is it true of that uh, this fellow Xavier uh, voted? Yes, we have factual support for that. Now, that would be a denotation of to vote, the infinitive to vote. Then it's a connotation. What are the cultural values assigned to voting? Well, it's become one of those words which is loaded with emotion. Oh, my golly, everybody this and everybody that. And 
suppress them, suppression this and black this and, and you know, white that, Republican and Democrat. So there's all sorts of cultural meanings attached to these things, which don't have anything to do with the denotative meanings. And when we get down to my analysis a little bit more in depth of the current fiasco of public behavior over the Roe versus Wade, you'll see what I'm talking about. But in Mr. Crabb's article, which is, which is titled uh, Saving the Planet, and basically the lad is talking about uh, what we throw away. Yes, I have to agree with Mr. Crabb there. But what am I supposed to do with the box of plastic container in which the razor blades came? This is one of my favorite examples. The razor blades, maybe five to a package, you could put in the palm of your hand. That's the problem. You can put them in the palm of your hand. So in order to prevent razor blade theft, right, we put them inside a container, which is inside a container, which is often underneath a locked container. I kid you not. I think most men know this, who shave anyway. What are you supposed to do with those containers? Eat them? You can't eat them. So you go and you get the clerk to unlock the razor blades from the container and you bring it out and then the clerk has to unlock the container that was inside the container to get to the razor blades, which are in yet another container. What becomes of all those containers? Well, somebody first made some money off them. Somebody is in the container manufacturing business. But there's no merit for the company to make a container that you could eat at the end of opening it all or people will be standing there at the counter in the pharmacy drugstore eating the container to get it to razor blades. So there's no incentive to do anything other than make that container absolutely as safe as a safe. Then Mr. Crabb points out, well, what are you going to do with that? And what are you going to do with all these boxes? I, I'll give you something that really, really gets me, okay? You go to, let's just take McDonald's, for example. I think they've kind of backed off it a little bit. I don't go there much. You go to McDonald's and you're going to eat the sandwich in the, in, inside the building. So they give you the cheeseburger inside a box, a little box with a cute little lid. You can't eat the box. And you're not... You're not going to leave the store to eat the, hand, the cheeseburger. So now I got a box and then they put the box inside a bag. Which has got their advertising all over. But I'm not going to take the bag out on the street. I'm not going to use the bag again. So I take the bag with the box in which is the cheeseburger. And I walk over and sit down. I eat the cheeseburger. Now I got this bag. What am I going to do with this bag? Well, I guess I'm going to take it in a little box, which is perfectly good. I mean, you can take this bag and eat out of this bag. You can take a little box and probably put another cheeseburger in. But we don't do that. So I take the box and I take the bag and I take it right over to the receptacle there, which is, has a plastic liner in it. And that's not going to biodegrade. Huh? So now I got a whole bunch of boxes and a whole bunch of bags inside a whole bunch of plastic containers. Where do they go? What do you do with them? I don't know what you do with them. Sometimes I think we truck, we were here for a while. We were trucking them off to another state. I think we're taking our refuse and paying Georgia to take it. I guess those of you who don't like Georgia, Florida game would feel pretty good about that. Man, we gave our trash to um, Georgia. So crab is something, he's onto something here. But I don't know what you're going to do about it. 
what, what, what are you going to do about it? What started? I don't. I still am not sure why the cheeseburger has to go in the box in the bag because you're not going to steal the cheeseburger. I guess for sanity, I don't know. Sanitary, sanitary reasons, I don't know. But you are going to steal the razor blades, I guess, if you don't have them inside a container, inside a container, inside a container. Now, go look next time you take a look at all these things. And what do you do with it? What do you do with it? When you're finished with it. So, I don't know. But the issue that this is called Save the Planet really is a misnomer. When you take a look at the planet, I, I saw the other day, my God, they discovered some giant tooth or some giant fish up in the middle of the continental USA where there's no lakes, there's no rivers, nothing. And guess what? Once upon a time, it was covered with water. How many years ago? Millions. Is the planet still here? Yeah, the planet's still here. Did something happen to the thing with the big tooth before we got here to kill the thing with the big tooth? Yes, of course it did. And will something happen today with things that, yeah, things will happen, but the planet doesn't need saving. What they're really talking about, and this is kind of my story for today, they're really talking about saving Homo sapiens niche on the planet. That's what they're talking about. They're talking about playing the role of God as mortals. Well, I, I don't know if anybody's pulled that off. I, I know of no and, and the strangest thing, I, I don't know who pointed this out to me. Maybe it was pointed out yesterday, and maybe I said it, or maybe I read across it. We're going to get into this in the abortion thing. They're ready to abort life, but they're out there looking desperately for life in Mars, on Mars. So I guess the class today is really about language, and pay attention to it, and learn it. And know that, and then on top of that, we have denotative and connotative use of the language. We also have literal and figurative use of the language. There is in Shakespeare's sonnet, Shall I compare thee to a summer's day, thou more lowly and more temperate? Rough winds do shake the darling buds of May, and summer's lease hath all too short a date. He's trying to define what love is. And at one point, he says, it's the star to every wandering bark whose height be taken, but worth unknown. He, he makes it a comparison. Love is like the star to every wandering bark whose height be taken, whose worth's unknown. I have, in all the years I've been teaching, shall I compare thee to a summer's day? I have never ever had a student understand that line. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. It would have been so easy for the Shakespearean audience to understand. It would have needed no explanation whatsoever. So, when I get back from this little break, I'm going to ask, and I'll look at the Facebook chat, to see if any of you know how to paraphrase. Paraphrase is a translation into your own language, the meaning of the original. Now, that's figurative language. You want to translate it into literal language. Literally, what does that mean? It's the star to every wandering bark whose height be taken, but whose worth's unknown. Take a break here on the Ward Scott Files, and we'll come back and talk about that because we're really talking about right now the Constitution. Stay tuned. Be right back. This is Ward Scott. 
And I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are Maurice T. McDaniel, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.awardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. A warthog. He's gonna come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. All right. Professor Ward Scott here back in the Manly Command Center, the Warhol Command Center. Truth is what we're pursuing here all the time inside the Melvin Law Studio. Now, 50 years of experience here with the official law firm partner of Florida Gators. Melvin Law won't back down, and so far we've been trying not to back down either. I, I asked you a question. I see nobody really has the nerve to venture an explanation of what it's the uh, star to every wandering bark whose height be taken, but whose worth's unknown. And as I say, from memory, maybe there was a student or two along the way of 40 years who may manage to have understood that, but I don't recall it. And if I uh, had recalled it, it would have been something, some, somebody had done it. I Believe me, I would have remembered that student. So here we are. Shakespeare is looking for a way to define what love is. And in order to do it, he's had to go to figurative analogies, comparisons. Uh, which means not the literal truth, but a comparable truth. So he has a, a, a literal truth that he's going to make comparable to a figurative truth. And that's what lo love is. You, can't, you don't know love until it's an experience. You can't, you can't see it, touch it, taste it, smell it, any of that. But you can compare it. And you kind of know it when you're around it. But how does maybe somebody else doesn't know it, is that, you know how it is. So he needs something to compare it to. So he compares it to, and as I say, no student has ever, that I recall, understood this. When he says it's the star to every wandering bark, what gets the student, and they generally won't go back to the denotation meaning of the word and trace it back to it's 1,500 or so thereabouts, meaning what it meant in 1,500. Well, it's a word that's not used much now because we don't sail like England did. Why is English all over the world? Why is it in every nook and cranny of the world? It's because of its great sailors. It's fantastic people who went out on the water, didn't know where they were going, but trusted their navigational skills. And so they would take a measurement of a star that never changed, but they did, and by knowing 
their relationship to that star, the, they were the wandering bark. They knew where they were. They only knew where they were because the star never changed. This is what Shakespeare was trying to get at. You only know where love is because it never, ever changes. And because it doesn't change, you can navigate the world. If you're fortunate enough to have something which has a fixed location that undeniably never, never changes, that you can locate yourself in reference to, then you have a chance at navigating the world. The classic example of this is the traditional heavyweight champions. How do they get to be the heavyweight champion of such a brutal sport? They come from busted homes. They come from the hood. They come from failed pursuits. They're some of the toughest, meanest guys on the planet. But on their bicep is tattooed mom with a heart with an arrow through it. How many times have you heard this? My mom, my mom this, my mom that. Some of them will cry even. They'll be the heavyweight champion. It's because mom was the star to the wandering bark. That kid, that boy who happened to be the heavyweight champion might have been all over the place in all kinds of trouble, in the jug, out of the jug. But that mom never stopped loving that boy. That's what Shakespeare was trying to write about. There is nobody I've ever taught who could understand that without me helping them. Because we didn't say, we don't sail. We don't sail. All of England knew what sailing was. The language was absolutely available. Now, the reason I'm saying this is because I have, I've ran across something today which I thought was very interesting, and I'm, I'm not going to say too much about who this is, but this was a young lady out on the internet, on TikTok, whom I know very, very well, who was upset over all this discussion about Roe versus Wade. Now, we know there has been hysteria. And we're going to play you just a couple of little divots here at kind of what we're dealing with. Let's play a couple of them real quickly, Evan. That woman is despicable. Oh, did he play? Did they hear him once or twice? Okay. That woman is despicable. Okay, I couldn't hear that because I'm in the studio here, but uh, uh, those of you guys heard it. We've, we, 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 that, 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 that really was recorded, I think, back when they got news that Trump had been elected, but it flies now. Any kind of hysterical emotional reaction. Well, this young lady whom I know very well and think a lot of, but she's a, I, I sort of think of her as a typical millennial, uh, soaked in the traditional notions, was on TikTok protesting um, the, the Roe versus Wade. And it hadn't even happened yet. Um, material, which, of course, was leaked. And I was listening and uh, just, you know, because I listen a lot and try to learn from everybody. And I was listening to her presentation <laughs> and, uh, uh, and she's a very good, she's a very good lady. I, I've known her since she was a baby, but she's grown up to be a mother now and all this other stuff. But anyway, she was giving a history lesson on Roe versus Wade. And she said she used a term that caused me to think of, well, that's a good place to start for class. She said that Roe, and I'm quoting her, Roe versus Wade was put into the Constitution. Okay? Roe versus Wade 
was put into the Constitution. And I know this person very, very well. She's a good mother. I knew her mother. I knew her father, you know. <laughs> and I thought, I, should I? And I started to reply, no, it was not put into the Constitution. And my wife said, oh, leave it alone. Don't, you know, don't start all that stuff. With they'll, they'll, never, they'll never get it. So I thought, well, that's, that's, that's interesting. Uh, maybe I need to talk about it because maybe this young lady is not the only one who thinks that, who thinks that Roe versus Wade was put into the Constitution. Now, if you go back to the logic of the original uh, decision in the, in the 70s about this thing, uh, you'll see that the, it was based on a, a really interesting kind of concept that frequently gets misused. Okay, and <laughs> it is uh, the, the the basis for this is that uh, the ruling then by the by the Supreme Court was that Roe, a woman's right to abortion, was implicit, implicit in the Constitution. In other words, I got to thinking, was my young lady friend correct when she said that what she say put into the Constitution, is that the same as implicit? No, what she's really saying, if you say put into, uh, it's, a, it's not the same because if it's inferred, let me just try to straighten this out for you. Imply means give. So what that Supreme Court was saying, well, we think that the language of the Constitution, life, liberty, the liberty is the big one, is the big one. They, they de-emphasized life and emphasized liberty. This is how they did it. The life of the unborn is de-emphasized in this ruling by the Supreme Court in 73, I think it's 73, and the uh, liberty to make your own decisions is emphasized in the ruling. And in order to make that work, they have to rule that the word liberty implies the right. In other words, liberty gives you the right to do anything you want to with your body. Well, that'd have to be the logic. If liberty gives you the right to abort a child because you're a female, it's your body, and you have the liberty to do what you want to with your body, that on, patently on the surface is false. I don't have the, because the constitutional life liberty, I don't have the liberty to do what I want to with my body. Hey, can I just take my body and, and hurl it into other people and maim the other people? And can I do that? No, we got laws against that. I just can't run down the road with my body knocking people down because I don't like the way they look or, you know, I don't like what they stand for. My body is limited in what liberty will allow me to do. I'm not at liberty to do anything I want to with my body. So here we have a balancing act that was really based on the wrong premise to start with. Because you couldn't select what you had the liberty to do with your body for political reasons, which is what happened. The Supreme Court, for political reasons, selected what liberty meant you could do with your body, and they focused on what a woman could do with hers, which is a sentimentality because it, it is patently false. It's not implicit. Or it would 
exclusively be applicable liberty to only that instance. This is language. So when my young friend said, and my she's middle-aged now with kids, when my young friend said on TikTok, it perked up my put into the Constitution. You know, in a way, now that I sit here and think about it, she's right. It was put into the Constitution by the judges. Erroneously. It's not in the Constitution. You have to stretch and say it's implied. Well, imply means hints. And then the question becomes, well, why did you restricted to just that one. Otherwise, we'd be free to do with our bodies whatever we wanted to do. You can't take your body and load it up with alcohol and get behind the wheel of a car and drive it down the road. The Constitution does not imply that. Oh, well, it, said, it certainly says a woman can do whatever she wants to with her body. Why can't I do whatever I want to with my body? Well, because you might run into somebody else with the car and kill them. Well, that woman killed, killed that kid in her. Hello. Hello. And now, after all these years, we've got what is called originalist judges. Trump put them on there who go back and say, what were these people thinking? What were these people thinking? It's not implied in the Constitution. It won't even stand up to freshman logic. But all this hysteria, all this hysteria that's come out of this. Here is the Vice President Kamala Harris, okay? This is how bad this country's got. She said, I'm just lifting this. I think I found this in Breitbart. Somewhere. Vice President Kamala Harris said Republicans are, quote, trying to weaponize the use of law against women. She said this Tuesday night at a gala for Emily's List, which was a pro-choice political action committee. That's exactly what we need. We need someone like Kamala Harris, who's the vice president of the United States of America, to think publicly that badly. If that, if she were my student, she would flunk. I'd have to flunk her. I'd have to say, I can disprove what you said in two seconds. How do you go from the word liberty to the publicans weaponizing the use of law? What is weaponized is the critical thinking skill. This is what the liberals are afraid of. Critical thinking skills, like ones I'm trying to teach right now, are viewed as dangerous to the Democrats. They are viewed as weapons to the Democrats. We don't want you having all the facts, the Democrats say. We don't want you having, being able to listen to this deposition. We don't want you asking questions about how we came to sign these people up in the jail. We don't want you asking any of these questions. And in the case of this debacle with Cornell, his attorney actually comes out on record and says, we don't want Ward Scott in this room. The lawyer, the lawyer 
Harris goes on to say, let's let's make the point. Women's rights in America are under attack. Women's rights in America are not under attack. They'll still have the right to abortion in respective states. It's just pushing the issue down to the states. Where it belongs. It's not in the Constitution. So how can the federal government get involved? It's not in the Constitution. Well, the only way you can put it in the Constitution is to put it in there. As my young friend said. It's not in there, but we can jam it in there. And those who know that, know that that was put in there, are afraid now that a thinking justice came along and realized it. And if it was put in there illegally, unreasonably, let's say it that way, then it can be taken out reasonably, which it is. Unless they get to goiter, and I suspect Roberts is going to flip. He's a coward. And they knew that. They knew, the liberals knew when they leaked that document, who the cowards were. I'll guarantee you he's one of them. I, if I'm wrong, I'm, I'll be glad I'm wrong. The vice president says that Roe versus Wade protects a woman's right to make decisions about what she does with her own body. <laughs> Let's take out woman. Let's test the book. Let's test the soundness of this logic. Let's take out Roe versus Wade. And let's take out the right to right, light, uh, life, liberty, and prop, uh, happiness. Give people the right to do what they want to do with their own body. Is that true? Is that true? The Constitution gives you and me the right to do what we want to do with our own body. Is that true? I mean, that's basically what it says. That's what she's saying. Roe versus Wade gives a woman the right. In other words, the premise of whatever gives the woman the right should give everybody the right to do whatever he or she wants to do with his or her body. I, I, I'm sorry. I have so much trouble with these people because it's so easy to see how I don't want to. Somebody said the other day, well, don't call them dumb. Don't call them stupid. Just call them misinformed. No. This is not misinformed. This is not an example of being misinformed. This is an example of being a lousy thinker. And saying the expedient thing to get applause from the group that's already a lousy bunch of thinkers. It's tough for me. It's really tough for me to suffer these fools. I, I, I'm sorry. It, it, and this Joe, this Joe Biden, I got somewhere here in the midnight audio yard. Let me see what I, I got here that, oh, golly, I mean, it's just, it just, uh, there's so many things that, you know, this I ran across that Joe Pollock wrote this. Joe Pollock's a smart guy. Yeah, I had him on the show one time. He's out in California. He writes for Breitbart. Joe Biden, you know this, opposed the Supreme Court's decision to legalize abortion one year after Roe versus Wade. Joe Biden in 1974 said, I don't think that a woman has a sole right to say what should happen to her body. He told the Washingtonian in 1974, one year after the court legalized abortion. The problem with Joe Biden is he doesn't give a damn what he says. He'll say anything the moment requires him to say. He's 10 times worse than Weather Van Lee. This guy doesn't have any compass. This guy doesn't have any, and the title of today's show is The Moral Distraction. This guy doesn't, he doesn't have any moral absolutes. And he's the president of the free, of the country of the free world. You would think he'd be the epitome. You, you would think our political leaders would be the, the example for the rest of the world. In 1982, Biden said uh, he voted to approve a constitutional amendment that would have allowed abortion to become a state issue instead of a federal one, which it is. It's a state issue because it's not in the federal constitution. 
Now, what's interesting about this, according to Joel Pollock, since Biden is the head of the Democrat Party and the head of the country, Joel Pollock points out Biden's 180 degree change indicates how radical the Democrat Party has become. And as I suggested yesterday, without revealing the name of the man who was one of the most respected Democrats, I mean, I, I thought he was great. Well, everybody thought you know, he was just really a, a good man. He can't stand Biden. He can't stand what's happened to his own party. What's happened to it? It's glorified abortion. It's championed critical race theory. It's soft on crime. It's all hysterically entwined with this transgenderism as a protected class. It's gone from a workers party, which was focused on the American family. I can remember the arguments between my father and my grandfather when I was just a little kid. My father was a Republican. My grandfather was a Democrat. My grandfather was a working man. My father was an enormously successful businessman. My grandfather worked for the federal government. My father hated the federal government. They were both family men. But they had been labeled, one, as the champion of big business, and the other as a champion of the average guy. And I used to listen to these conversations. Now it's the other way around. The Democrat Party, if you take a look at Biden's 180 degree flip-flop, has been deconstructed by ideology. And what it has become is a coalition of marginalized groups. This is Joel Pollock's language. A coalition of marginalized groups. Rob McDonald's asked, what about in cases of incest or rape or the continuation of pregnancy will kill? Um, that will be left up to the states, Robert. It will not be guaranteed by the Constitution. Robert, I'm responding to you right now. I just happened to look over here. I don't look at the Robert McDonald claims I'm not answering. Robert, if you follow the logic, it will be left up to the states. What state do you live in, sir? Take it to your state legislators. Okay? I hope the uh, gentleman's still listening. I mean, I'm following the logic. Oh, the Gainesville Sunset put a big headline above the fold today. Oh, geez, the rest of the world is this and that. The rest of the world is not governed by the United States Constitution. Now, we didn't change the Constitution. You understand that? We put into it something in its language. We never changed the Constitution that I can see. There's no Equal Rights Amendment that I can see. We put it into, by interpretation, influenced by political winds. Okay? I'll just address this gentleman. I hope, uh, I, hope he, I hope he's there. If not, I'll have to message him after the show. Um, he must be a liberal. No response. I figured as much. I wonder how he figured that. I wonder how you figured that. Um, okay, I'll let you think about it. The star to every wandering bark whose height be taken, a worse unknown. The, um, it's not going to end abortion. It's going to be up to the states. If it even ends up being the way it was leaked, because it was leaked to create hysterical 
replies, such as those we played for you just a moment ago. We'll have open line Friday tomorrow. Hopefully, Mr. McDonald will call in tomorrow. Hopefully, Mr. McDonald, I invite Mr. McDonald to call in tomorrow. And we'll have a chit chat about it. Please do so, sir. Okay. I'm not confusing anything in the Constitution that I can see. Or you're able to um, go to that particular, I'll listen to you. You're one of my students, man. I'll listen to you. If you make an A, I'll give it to you. Warthog Command Center out.